0: Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
2: Oh, we got a special treat for you now. Our good buddy Adam Amin joins us after racing home from Detroit. <laughs> tell that story. You were telling it off the air. I mean, it's pretty crazy that uh, you decided that. Oh, what is that? A fifty-minute flight. You were you were going to take the drive instead. <laughs> T- tell that story. Uh,
1: I, mean, I mean, these are little things, Stacy. You've dealt with this, Mark. I'm yeah. sure you guys have dealt with this before. Like these are the little things that are byproducts of getting to do a fun job, where you get to travel all over the country and and cover games and cover sports and. One of the things that you're at the mercy of is our uh, American travel system. <laughs> and uh, uh, oftentimes, airlines and planes are, are volatile when it comes to how how often and how cleanly they're running. So we got on the plane. We had a Lions-Falcons game yesterday. We all cruised to the airport. Nice, easy. We got a, a drink. We get a meal. We're about to get on the plane, fly home. We deep. We get on the plane. I'm ready to fly home. And then they're like, we got a mechanical issue. So it's gonna be 20 minutes. Then 20 minutes, as you guys know, it turns into 40, turns into 60. And then eventually we got a D plane. So we all get off the plane. Everybody's angry and frustrated as understandably they, they can be. And I go, you know what? I know how this I've seen this story before, right? I know how the story ends. They're gonna push this flight and push this flight and push this flight and either cancel it, but this thing's not taking off till midnight. So I said, you know what? Let's make the executive decision at eight o'clock. I've got a rental car, four hour drive. Got I got some McDonald's. I got a filet fish sandwich and a, co- <laughs> and a Coke to get some caffeine in me. And I rode four hours straight home. And I got to my apartment inside my apartment at midnight. That flight didn't land at O'Hare until oh, about one in the morning. That's a big so, win. But it's it's A
2: little mathematical win. Is Fox going to red flag that expense report for the car? <laughs>
1: I'm gonna red flag their 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 uh, booking of that particular flight. That's what yeah. I'm gonna tell them. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. We gotta go get it. We gotta go reimburse for it. But hey, man, I was I was happy to be home and and not uh, and at least you feel like you're doing something. You're right. driving it's progress. You feel like you're moving. There's yeah. progress. Yeah. You can talk to people. I can call my friends. I can call some call my parents or whatever. Like that's a big deal, you know.
3: Well, you know, we're gonna change. We we're, we're gonna hold off on the bulls talk. We we want to talk to bears right now, man. Like. <laughs> It's you know (laughs) what maybe you can help me because you know you know you know you know a lot about the Bears maybe you can get me off the ledge right now. I'm I'm just I'm devastated right now. Like this, it just looks like this team is in complete shambles. They don't know which direction they want to go offensively, defensively. Uh, They're trying to figure it out as they go, and you just can't figure it out as you go in this league because you're gonna you're gonna end up chalking up a lot of losses as you're trying to do that.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating to watch because we went into the preseason. I call the preseason games and. There's always promise in the preseason. There's always energy. Uh, energy. There's always a positive outlook. Just that's how sports are, right? You start a new season, you start fresh, and that's how you come in. And then you see what the what the expectations are recalibrated as when you get to the end of the preseason. And I didn't know what the expectations were supposed to be anymore because we did not get a great look at Justin Fields in the preseason. We did not get a great look at the full offensive complement because of the offensive line injuries that they had. We didn't see Chase Claypool in the preseason. We didn't see a lot of the defensive players that you want to see get a lot of reps in the preseason. And I'm not saying that preseason performance is directly correlated to regular season results. I'm not. I don't think – I think there's too many variables to, to automatically correlate those things. But it does change the feeling around a team. And the preseason shifted my my positive vibes about the team to a little bit more concern because there was a lot more unknown all of a sudden. And instead of feeling like, hey, you got the offensive line ready, you got the quarterback taking the next step, you got receivers and running backs around him, this offense should 100% take a, take a, a big leap forward. And we don't see those things come to fruition. You're, it's only natural for your expectations to shift. And what I've seen in the first three games, and I haven't called any of the three games, but I've watched the, you know the highlights and I've watched film and I've listened to people talk about it. And it's frustrating to watch. And it's hard to have faith in this group i don't think the play calling has been where it needs to be uh i i've explained it this way Let, tell me if this makes sense to you guys justin fields for the most part of his young nfl career has been a one read quarterback okay right. they basically said if your first read isn't there for the most part i know they have a lot of designs and things like that but for the most part if that first play isn't there that first read go ahead and try to find an alley either imp- improv Get out of the pocket, find a receiver, or just run, take off. That's how you get a thousand rushing yards as a quarterback. And you saw them use that to their advantage in the middle of the season last year, right? They had that Monday night game against New England. You know, there was all this talk about the Lamar Jackson style playbook and try to get some of that going. And I feel like what they've been trying to do is turn him from a one read quarterback into a three read quarterback. And there, that is a big jump for somebody who's been so Productive as a one read quarterback to now suddenly have to change and shift what makes him special or what has made him separate from a lot of other quarterbacks in this league and try to take that out of his game plan and suddenly go now you have to be a three read, one, two, three progression, high, low, decipher a defense quarterback. There's a lot of criti- criticism about his processing. I think it's a fair criticism because we haven't seen it come to fruition just yet, but you also can't expect a one read QB. To become a three-read QB overnight, there's got to be steps in the middle there, and I just don't feel like that play calling has helped him. He certainly hasn't progressed in the way he probably should, and the, certainly injuries are a factor, but you know, we hear that in Chicago all the time, and we're kind of tired of that, right? You, you want to see the results regardless of the personnel that's out there, because you signed depth, you drafted depth, and we're just not seeing it right
2: that's some great analysis right there. That's why Adam is the best in the business. Uh, but I, I can't talk about the Bears anymore. I'm going to get 50 <laughs> really ill. So, so let, let's move on to the All next right, focus on
1: Focus on focus on how good the Chiefs are and how fun Taylor Swift and Travis Kelly yeah, are going to be. That, yeah. that yeah. got nauseating, we too. The Swifties, baby. The Swifties. <laughs> the Swifties are out in full force.
2: Hey, so Billy's going to take the show on the road. Training camp in Nashville at, at Belmont College. Uh, you know, we had Chip Schaefer on the show last week, and he was talking about the fact that Javon Carter's been in the building Every, every day, Torrey Craig has been there, you know, veteran guys who both shot the three ball really well. And, you know, for the casual fan, they're thinking, well, they picked up a couple of guys who are going to be role players. What's your perspective on what these two guys can add to the current mix?
1: First and foremost, and this is a team that I, I don't think they lack toughness individual to individual. But I think when you get into the grind of games, late, late in games, uh, I think the guys that are kind of have, have kind of been through that ringer. Those two guys have been. Think about the pedigrees of those two. These guys have played in finals and they and Javon Carter's won a championship in the re, in the last three years. And Torrey Craig has been a go-to defender. Torrey's metrics defensively have have kind of taken a little bit of a of a spill the last couple of years. He's still one of the solid perimeter defenders in this league. Javon Carter, I think, did a great job as a secondary point guard behind Drew Holiday in Milwaukee and brings Defensive toughness, perimeter toughness, and brings the ability to settle things down, whether it's a first or second unit. He has the ability to settle things down and put the ball in the right place. I don't know if he's going to be the starter all year. I don't know if Kobe White's going to be the starter at point guard all, all year. I don't know who's going to begin the season in that position. And I'm sure we'll find out a lot more in these next three weeks. But to me, what Javon brings to the team especially is the ability to settle things down, knowing where the ball needs to go, right? He didn't need the ball. He need, didn't need to be a ball-dominant point guard in Milwaukee because if he was playing with the starters, Stace, he's going to Giannis. He's going to Bobby Portis. He's going to Chris Middleton. He's getting guys the ball where they need the ball. They had three-point shooters on that team. He got them the ball where they needed to have the, uh, have the basketball. So I think that's really important for a group that has so much talent. The Bulls are so talented individual to individual, but they lack structure, I think, in situational play. When you get into the last sixteen possessions of a game, those last four minutes of a of a two or three possession game, and you're only going to possess the ball maybe, you know, eight more times, you need to be efficient and you need to be very effective in those eight possessions down the stretch of a game. And I hope that all the individual talent on this team can trust that Javon Carter is going to know where the ball needs to go at what time and how to exploit which matchup. That's a hope that I have for this group, and I hope that Carter is able to bring that to the table.
3: Well, Adam, two of the things that I, two areas that I think that if the Bulls are going to take that next step and be a team that's a threat in the Eastern Conference to get past the first round, two things have to happen. They're big three, they're all star caliber players have to play well and they've got to play defense they've got to commit sure. to the defensive end we all we know they can score but they've got to really really commit to the defensive end this year and then the development of kobe and patrick williams those guys now they've been on that they've been the role player long enough now that they should know now especially patrick williams hey i can play at this level it's time for me now to take that next step and maybe billy donovan really pushing him to take that next step, be that guy, be that guy that's out there with, with DeMar and Zach and, and taking that role. What do you think about that?
1: I would love to see Zach Levine average 20 a game and see his assist numbers and steal numbers go up. And for somebody like Patrick Williams to take those extra seven or eight points a game and be more effective offensively and get more opportunities at the basket. What do you have to prove if you're Zach Levine anymore? You, We know you're one of the elite level scorers in this game. I, I think he's one of the 15 or 20 best pure scoring players we have in this league. Guys who can just get their own shot, get to the rim, get back behind the three-point line with effective movement, and get shots off and make them at a high clip. DeMar DeRozan doesn't need to prove anything to me anymore. Uh, and I don't think he needs to prove anything to anybody. He hasn't That hasn't been the case for a while. We know he's an elite mid-range player. We know he's a veteran tough. Uh, great leader. We know that. We know Vucevic is as skilled of a big man as we have in this league, probably one of the five or 10 most skilled big men that are playing in this league that score at a high rate. I don't need to see that. I need to see these other guys feel like they have ownership of the group of five that's out there at any given moment. And I would love to see Patrick Williams take that next step. If Kobe White's going to be the point guard on this team, whether it's a starter, off the bench, I don't care. It doesn't matter because he's going to play with Zach. He's going to play with DeMar. He's going to play with Booch at various points on the floor, no matter what. I would love to see him play so solidly at the early part of the season that those other guys have no choice but to trust him with the ball in his hands. I think this team comes down to trust. The talent is there. It comes down to trust in the other guys who need to take that next step. And based on the roles, especially late in games, for those stars to trust that these younger players, Kobe signed now. He's signed for three years. Patrick is about to get paid either here or somewhere else next season. So I would love for those stars to have trust in what these younger guys are doing, in the steps that they're taking, and being given ownership of possessions that are important to your team. I don't want to see any more hero ball. I know it's exciting. I know it's like Stacey and I go nuts when, Zach makes a big shot or DeMar makes a big shot and it's late in the game and those guys come up clutch. It's awesome. It's fun to watch those. But I want to see these other guys feel like they have ownership of a possession with 30 seconds left in a two-point game as well. I'm not saying they have to take the shot, but I want the ball in their hands to run offense and not just turn into the isolation team that this team has had a tendency to turn into the last two years.
2: Adam, I'm sure you've been getting these questions on social media like Stacy and I have. Uh, people curious about the whole Damian Lillard thing that the Bulls were mentioned as a possible team that could be interested. To me, it doesn't add up because they don't really have the assets to do it. Portland's backcourt is set with uh, Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons. They don't want, they wouldn't want Zach Levine in a trade, and if that's not going to be it, you don't really have the draft picks or other assets to try to pry him loose. Plus, he's 33 years old. He's got four more years left on a gigantic contract. What's your take even on the fact that, you know, that AK is probably doing his due diligence and seeing what the cost would be?
1: Like if Damian Lillard shows up for the Bulls, I'd certainly be happy. That'd be awesome. Damian's a, a potential Hall of Fame player. He's one of the great scorers and shooters in this league, and, and he's a good ambassador for you know for the game of basketball. I've always had a great experience with him. But now the, the points that you brought up, Mark, I think are more pertinent and more applicable now. Like we're comparing ages. Zach's younger. He's fresher. He's he's got the legs. Um, I think he does a little bit more offensively. And I think Damian's numbers have been really, really, really good for a long, long time. But also, he hasn't had as much support in Portland. You know, he's had Nurkic. He had C.J. McCollum. He had guys that, that weren't enough to get over the hump. The The last playoff series I called uh, for ESPN was that Warriors-Blazers 4-0 sweep, where the Blazers had a lead in the fourth quarter in every game and just couldn't couldn't put them away to try to get to the NBA Finals. And since then, it's kind of taken a little bit of a dive in terms of quality around Damian Lillard. So uh, if you're comparing and contrasting now, Zach Levine has a more friendly contract, which I know people weren't saying last year (laughs) when he signed it, but look at the numbers of contracts around the league now. Zach seems much, much more reasonable, and it's more bang for your buck with a longer term of, of potential, I think, at this point. So it's not a trade that makes sense to me in terms of trying to make it happen. If Damian Lillard plays for the Bulls somehow, I certainly would welcome that. But I don't think in terms of the machinations of trying to make that happen, it really makes all that much sense. Like you said, Mark, no, not they don't have the assets, and I think Levine's a, a better buy right now.
3: Adam, what you're seeing a lot of teams now doing, they're starting to gear up for Denver. You know, you look at the Lakers. Yeah. They went out and signed all their players. They got more size, more depth at the wing position. Uh, Minnesota is a team that I don't think enough people are talking about. I think Anthony Edwards is ready to take that next step, and they've got the size to be able to play against Denver. So what do you what do you think what's going on in the Western Conference, and who do you think is the favorite besides Denver?
1: Man, uh, the West is really good. I mean, we, we've been talking about that now the last two years, right, just the depth of that conference, the depth of of, of teams, of quality teams that can all get there. Uh, I love what Dallas has done uh, to try to add to their front court. Obviously, they went out and got Derrick Jones Jr. They got Grant Williams, guys that play defense, guys that rebound. Uh, I think that's a big key for that Dallas team to try to compete. Denver takes a hit, you know, like Bruce Brown leaving. I don't think people really value how much of a loss that that is right now. And I'm sure you'll see the effects of it. Not to say that Denver is going to struggle immaculately because of the absence of Brown. But I think when you have teams like Miami and Denver that make deep runs and then their role players go out and get paid, you see the effects of it. And they're still deep enough to make a deep run. And I still would consider them to be the favorite because of Joker. But Lakers go out and get sized. Minnesota I think is going to be a very competitive team this year I think Anthony Edwards is ready to take a real leap you know we we know he's a star he's he's about to turn into a superstar I, I covered the USA team uh in the in their run-up to the World Cup at, at the FIBA tournament and the the respect that Anthony Edwards has garnered from that group is very impressive uh Austin Reeves you know he he's ready to take a step and become more of a factor for Los Angeles in that group. Um, there are players that, that are ready to make significant impacts that I think really heat up the Western Conference. I don't want to overlook a team like Houston. I'm not saying they're going to be a competitor for uh, the conference, but they're going to be a team that's going to start spoiling. Uh, you know, With with their roster, I know they, they've had some significant issues with one of their younger players, but they still have some depth with youth. Um, I, I think Phoenix is right there. I don't want to assume that, you know, Bradley Beal's addition isn't enough. I think that might be enough for that group. Ayton, Booker, Beal, Durant, the role players that they they seemingly are trying to maintain and build in terms of their bench. They've had one of the better benches the last couple of years. They're going to try to maintain that. Uh, I think Denver is still the favorite, but I think Phoenix and the Lakers are going to be right there. I think Minnesota is the best of the middle of the pack right now. And I think Houston's the best out of the bottom of the bunch who, who's going to make an impact and maybe play spoiler or maybe even compete for a playing spot.
2: Hey, what do you make of all the uh, Giannis talk going on up the road in, in Milwaukee? You know, we've heard this from other superstars. You know, Milwaukee has has made a number of good runs. They got the one championship, but it's an aging team. Brooke Lopez is thirty five. Th- uh, Drew Holiday's thirty three. Chris Middleton's thirty two with a bunch of injuries, and I think Giannis yep. sees the landscape that this team is not going to be viable in another year or two. He can opt out in two years. To me, it looks like he's setting the stage to request a trade next summer. What's what's your read on the
1: situation? That's my feel. Uh, again, the, the, there's not a lot of concrete evidence around uh, the basketball world to definitively say anything, obviously. My feeling is that he sees the window closing. And he's done a yeoman's job of being an ambassador, a leader of that franchise, and for that city. He's helped put Milwaukee basketball back on the map these last several years, and and rightfully so. He's one of the great superstars and one of the great ambassadors for the game we have. He He's also not dumb. And I think the landscape in the last 20 years has shifted so much, Stace. You know, MJ, the Wizards, last couple of years notwithstanding, cause again, he was kind of player-owner kind of thing. You know, he's, he's kind of part of the front office there and kind of setting up for, the, for his post-playing career. But... You know, MJ didn't want to to join other teams. Larry Bird didn't want to join other teams. Magic Johnson didn't want to join other teams to try to win titles. LeBron's kind of changed that landscape. And the free agency that's followed the way that NBA money works, that's changed everything now. And as loyal of a person as I think Giannis comes off as, and I do believe he's that good-hearted type of person who thinks about these things and, and is aware of these things. He's also understanding of wanting to leave a legacy. He's talked a lot about that the last year, about leaving a real legacy, about being one of the five or ten greatest players in in this sport. And to do that, you need to rack up a few more titles. And All the numbers are going to be in his favor. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he's all said and done. He, he wants to win more titles. And I think he also understands that taking a, a franchise, let's use Chicago as an example. If he were somehow to Consider coming to Chicago in two years. stacy has got him were, coming
2: here. He's going to hire all the Antetokounmpos. He's yes. going to bring Costas it's, it's back and fina- bring
3: Manassas, Costas,
2: yes. Alex is going
3: to come over. His mother, <laughs> mother making Greek food in the in the yeah, in the cafeteria.
1: Yeah, whatever you know, we need to like, do. Like, you know, he's he's. I'm sure he's going to want to invest in our buddy Luke Canellis's place. Yeah. Like, and we got, a, and we that got that a
3: great but Greek community here it's in Chicago. Chicago.
1: Incredible, great Greek town is yes. like a half a mile, a mile from United Center. It's right there. You're right there. So. I, I feel like all the if he wanted to come down here, not only would he be accepted, welcomed, celebrated, but if he were to bring Chicago to back to the prominence that I think we I don't even want to say we're accustomed to because it's been a long time since his team has won a title but that we long for because we saw it in the 90s with you guys and with MJ and Scott and every Scotty and everybody like we want to see that again. If he would be the guy to bring that back to Chicago, that cements a legacy to me. That cements something to me. To say, I went back to I went to Chicago. They wanted me. They needed me. They accepted me, and we brought them a title. If that's the story that takes place in three or four years, that cements your legacy to me. And I, I feel like that's really, really important to Giannis. And I'm not saying Chicago is the only destination, but I I think it's a very appealing destination for somebody somebody like Giannis. Not only as a player, not only in the system or the structure but the city as well. I think this would be a great destination for a player like that.
3: Talk a little bit about what Adam Silver did with the load management and how important that is to, to this year and the teams that kind of abused it the last few years. So what I've always <laughs> said that I, I thought that some teams really, really abused the, you know, the load management. So talk a little bit about what you thought when Adam Silver brought that, that new rule out.
1: Uh, yeah, we got a chance to to talk to some people about it last week. so I've got a you know some some thoughts about it from just having the discussions about it. it it's very apparent that the league isn't saying you can't rest players who are hurt. Like they're not suddenly saying, well, this guy's banged up, he's gotta play. I also don't doubt that there will be teams that look for loopholes to be like, well, you know this guy's got an ankle, this guy's got whatever. That's fine. that's that's par for the course. that's that's the cost of doing business. But I do think that this guideline being in place, at the very least, will force teams like, let's say the Clippers. You know, the Clippers are probably one of the teams, and I'm not blaming them for it, but they're an example that's fairly obvious at times. Because people go to see Kawhi Leonard play. They want to see Paul George play. Those guys have had legitimate injuries. I'm not saying they haven't been hurt. But with Kawhi's knee, that's been a rest play rest play setup that they've had for a while now that's that's not been any secret so i think this is a good thing for the league is it going to affect every team every single night no it's not but i think the nights where you really feel like it's important to not just see Kawhi sitting on the bench because he played 35 minutes the night before and they're on the second night of a back to back i I think that's important to see these guys play i'm hearing younger players Anthony Edwards in particular. I've heard Jason Tatum say this, and Tatum did it as a rookie. I think he played 80 or 82 games or something like that as a rookie. They want to play every night and their mentality is if we go on the road, those guys, those those kids, those families, they may only be paying for that bar- that one night. They want to see me play that one night. And I know that's kind of like sounds like a narcissistic thing to say, but these are alpha players in the NBA. And they deserve to have that type of shine on them. And the ones that recognize that are the ones that I have a lot of respect for. The Tatums of the world, the Anthony Edwards of the world, guys that say, I want to play all 82. I understand I can't if I'm hurt, but I want to be out there every single night. And I want to see some of the veterans kind of stay in that mold." DeMar is one of those guys. He yes. doesn't want to sit no, out. He doesn't. he doesn't sit out games unless he is legitimately hurt or he—you know the one time he had COVID or whatever. Like, that's it. Vucevic played every game. Zach Levine is trying to play every game, and they made him sit early in the year. These guys want to play, and that's something I appreciate, and I know fans really appreciate it, and I think this is a guideline that's in place to curb some of it. It's not going to eliminate it, and teams will find loopholes, but it's going to curb it uh, to a good rate, and I'm happy about that, and I think fans are, and I think it's going to be beneficial to teams and players too.
3: Well, you load manage, uh, Adam. Here's how you load manage. You're playing a bad team. You save starters are going to play the first yes. and the third quarter. Yes. 24 minutes yeah. that's all bench get ready to play that's how you load manage you play that's, 24 that's, minutes. that's how phil did it. That's, that's how you that's told how me we, that's how we right? did it that's how that's yeah. how the old school did it that's what that was load management blow out a team let's get some rest don't waste any more energy on them second team get ready to go out there finish up strong and let's get ready for the next game
1: that's load er, management. it's like it's, it's it's like earning your rest basically yes. you like phil would say you guys are playing charlotte tonight or playing dallas or whatever and go we're better than this team Take them out in the first. I'm going to play the bench guys most of the second quarter. Starters will come out in the third. Give me eight good minutes. Give me eight good minutes. Put this team away and let our bench do the rest of the work. And that's the load management, and then we'll get the flight back home. That's also, how you do it. And that's also, and
3: also practice. You know, they don't do a lot of practicing. There's not a lot of practice time uh, in the NBA now. Right. You know, we used to practice every single day. Yeah. You know, there were yeah. two two and a half hours a day. There was no off days. I mean, Phil will come in sometimes and go, "All right, you know what." If you win, if you can win three out of five games this week, I'll give you the weekend off. You know, he would give you these little incentives to to try to win as many games during that week. So he'd foreshadow. Yep. Three out of five is a terrible week for you guys. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but but he but but that was just something for him for us to have something to shoot for. Of course, we'd win all five. Yeah. You know, but it was just the fact that you know it gave us something to shoot for. And I and I, like I said, I'm, I haven't been a big fan uh, of this load management. If you're hurt, you're hurt. You know, but just to be sitting out, because that's one thing Michael Jordan never did. I mean, I remember we go in a preseason game, we'd be playing in some of these places that, you know, people had never seen an NBA game, you know, and, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, you know, and this might be the only time they see Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen play. And those guys would come out and play at least two and a half quarters to give those fans, you know, their money's worth. Kobe Bryant, you know, you go down the list of all the great players, Larry Bird, you know, Dr. J, they understood what the fans do. The fans make the players. You know, the players don't make the fans. The fans yep. make the players. They're paying all these enormous salaries. You owe it to them to come out, if you're not hurt, to come out
1: and play. I think that's a fair assessment. I think it's. A, I think that's being a professional to me. You know, like, that's being a pro. And uh, I understand that, that – here's the other thing, too, that, that we kind of learned talking to some people. There is no real data that backs up the idea that load management has – legitimately helped. Uh, I'm not saying rest isn't important. I'm not saying recovery isn't important. I absolutely am not saying those things because I know that's not the case. Those things are incredibly important to the health and safety of players and to organizations. I'm not saying that that's not the case. But it does feel like teams are trying to take advantage of this because somebody at some point said that this is the case. Greg Popovich would take guys out of national TV games to make a point. You know, like and, and obviously the Kawhi thing is notwithstanding, but like we would get ready for Saturday night primetime games, that would be a back to back for San Antonio. And to make a point, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr would sit their guys out and play their second unit guys, and that's when the rules would finally kind of shift a little bit. We're seeing the reaction from the front office of the of the NBA to say, this is too much. We've hit a critical mass that is hurting the product now. That's the thing. Like, guys are still going to get hurt. Guys are still going to play in a physical game and deal with injuries that are nagging over the course of the year. And if those are legitimate, yes, please, rest, recover. But you have to curb some of these things when they reach a critical mass. Because if the product starts to dilute, if the quality of the product is now going downwards, that doesn't help the league. That doesn't help any of the players who are earning these salaries that are market value. And again, they're earning market value. This is the mar- what the market says they're worth. And that's what they're being paid. So in turn, play, play for the for the for the salary that you get. Be a professional. Try to be out there. I understand it's a Pollyannish way for me to say it. I'm not out there playing. I'm not the one going through the physical rigors. But I'm a fan of this game, and I want the guys who are deserved of the accolades and and the the, the money and the fame and all that stuff and the 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 spoils that go with that. I want them to be out there to. Reciprocate that to the people that do come out And support them And make them feel like what they do has value I want to see that reciprocation
2: well, this has been an amazing half hour of intelligent sports conversation, so you know what that means. It's time for Whispers to ask a question. Whispers, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, geez. Wow! <laughs> There's the
0: intro I was looking for. Wow! Boy, that's, that's, that,
1: that's that's it. That's, that's that's the segment. That's the framework right yeah, there. That's yeah, beautiful.
0: You know, you know, his wife teaches over at Harper, and he's about to start a uh, self-improvement class over there. I can't wait to get in there.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sarcasm 101 is my, is my course.
1: Yeah, he makes basic both, all all y'all guys... All you guys ace that class, guaranteed. Oh
0: my God. (laughs) Yeah, one of the things that, uh, you know, looking at this new season coming up, the Bulls and seems to be an epidemic with coaches in Chicago is what about the accountability? That's the one thing that I just get concerned about. And I saw a lack of it last year. You definitely see with the Bears and these other teams. So
1: is that going to be rectified this year, you think? I mean, I think this is a year where Billy Donovan has more pressure on him than at any point in the first. Few, three seasons he was in charge of this group because the talent has been there now, and I'm not saying that that they have played to uh the level that we should expect from that caliber of a roster. That was, we've said it before, right? That was an underachieving NBA team last year, just considering the amount of talent that they have and and how and what we expect from them on a game to game basis. I think there's a lot of pressure on Billy, and I don't know what contract situation. I know he had the the kind of extension last year that. They kind of flew under the radar for whatever reason, and that's fine. I I don't know how contracts work. I don't call for people's jobs. I don't. I'm not smart enough, and I'm not in tune enough with how front offices work, think, uh, or or operate for me to say that confidently. But I do think there's pressure on him now in a in a fashion that wasn't the case before because you've been given tools. The tools are there. Lonzo, the, you know, I, I I'm going to try not to invoke him very often this year. Because it just sucks. It's just sad, you know. That, and you can't do anything about that uh, in terms of injury. That's a legitimate injury that that guy's trying to battle through. And I hope you know he has a great quality of life. Let alone play basketball after you know he's able to recover. But that notwithstanding, you've still been given opportunities and given tools and given chess pieces to work with. So they need to come together fast. Vucevic said something along the lines of, "This is the last like run that we have as a core." Right? He was saying that in the run-up to the World Cup. And that's a pointed statement from Vucevic. And Nikola doesn't really pull pull punches that much, but he doesn't really get asked about this stuff very often. He always gives thoughtful answers. And that was a very pointed remark that he made about this being the last real run for this core. So I think Billy Donovan has a lot of pressure on him to try to make it work. This might be a year where you get 45 games going up to the trade deadline. You might get up to the All-Star break, and, you know 60 games or something like that, and that's it. Because if you're not there, if you're not where you need to be, if you're not competitive for uh, a playoff spot, let alone forget the play-in. I think this is a team that should be competitive for a a top six seed, like be the six and get into the playoffs without having to go into the play-in. I I feel like if they're not there, then you're going to have to start unloading contracts. You're going to have to think about unloading DeMar because there will be a team, a competitor out there that will benefit him and you're not going to have him after this year, more than likely. I don't think this is a team that would re-sign DeMar DeRozan for a long-term contract, maybe a one-year extension. But he's going to seek something else. He's deserving of it too. So I think he's going to be gone if at the trade deadline, if this team's not competing the way they should. And then you have to make considerations uh, for everybody on the roster, and and do you really get into a rebuild territory at that point? I think this will be this will be an interesting season for accountability for a lot of people from top to bottom, and. I think you're going to get 45 games to figure it out. Well, how about
2: that? I expected Whispers to ask you about your favorite comic book, and he turns into Mike Wallace. He hits, he yeah. hits you with the accountability <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah, accountability. Way to go, Whispers. To go, Whispers, Boy, Whispers hard-hitting this, journalism this, this, this here this, this, on. Give Me
1: the Hot This sauce. is like a, like a Frost Nixon moment right there, man. That was big time. That was well, he's great. not
0: wearing a funny shirt. I couldn't pick on his shirt this time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, Adam, thank you
2: so much for making time for us. We know you got a crazy schedule. Are you still doing more baseball, or are you done with that sport for this year?
1: We got we got uh, the American League Division Series oh, nice. starting oh, wow. October. Nice. October 7th that's why that's why i'll be i'll be missing the first few preseason games and and i'll be back for the regular season opener against uh okc but i, I gotta miss a few of those preseason games too because we got football on sundays we got the american league division series coming up and then we go right into right into Bulls. man i'm it's it's all coming together these next three four weeks all right we'll you be still djing too <laughs> uh thursday night i'm gonna have to come out I'm, there uh, I'm uh, I'm at the Underground on Thursday night I'm playing an hour at 11:50 uh, on Thursday night. So see, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. See. And then, and then I'm and then I'm on a flight to Nashville on Friday morning to go cover the Titans and Bengals. See, I
3: need I need to be flavor flay when you out there turning the <laughs> tables. So I need to get the crowd hyped up, give me the mic and I just, you know, I just get the crowd hyped before you can do the spinning.
1: Hey man, would, I, you you let me know cuz if if I don't think I think that's a sellout. If uh, if uh, Stacey's in, that place is getting sold out. Whatever event we're at, that's a sellout for real.
2: All right, big dog. Good but, seeing you. Yeah, the hardest working man, man in broadcasting. You check him out on Fox for the baseball playoffs every Sunday, doing NFL games, and of course the bull season right around the corner. Adam and me our good buddy. Thanks for joining us again on giving the hot sauce. Hey oh, guys. It's
3: only preseason, but I'm high Neil Fox, Jimmy G. Oh, buckets gets buckets. This. Give me the hot sauce, Neil Fuck! Give me the hot sauce! What are you doing, Dragic? Did you not get the memo? Derrick Rose can go upstairs! Let oh me step back and kiss myself! Oh my MVP gosh, time! When the City Assassin does it again!